scripture reading today will be from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll be reading verses 12 and 13. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with this temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. morning and grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so good to have you here this morning, especially if you're visiting with us. We're very thankful for your presence and hope to get to know you and meet you and thankful for you being here with us this morning. Uh, recently, over the past year or so, maybe a little bit longer than that, Jessica and I have been dealing with Lincoln's increased desire for independence. And this is particularly shown in his desire to walk on his own. Uh, whenever we go into a store or something like that, he will pointedly make sure that his hand is by his side and not reaching up for ours. And we have to tell him, hold our hand. And he says, I want to walk. You can walk, but you have to hold our hand. And it's this constant battle, it seems, where it seems, you know, you get out of the car and you're expecting to have to grab it. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes he gets away before you can grab his hand and he ends up tripping and falling, which is why he has constant scrapes and bruises all over him. Or he gets into danger, sometimes even gets close to running out in a road or a street where he shouldn't be. He's come to convince himself, as we all do at some point, that liberty means that we are free from the guidance or being led by those who are wiser than us or who are in more positions of authority or power than us who genuinely care for us. Now, I can't be too hard on him, though, because, of course, I struggle with taking directions as well at times. I don't always like reading instructions when putting things together. I don't always enjoy listening to the GPS because I think that I know a better way, right, dads? We think that we know better, and so we don't want to listen. We don't want to listen to the GPS. We don't want to read the instructions, and that usually ends up with leftover parts and long family trips. But there's something about us that almost seems natural where we don't like to listen, and we don't like to be led by others. Almost a rebellious part of our nature where we don't like to, to listen to those who might be a little bit wiser than we are, who might even be a little bit more of an influence or more powerful or have more authority over us. We tend to kind of reject that and rebel against it. And sadly, this is true when it comes to our walk of faith as well and when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. Kind of similar to little Lincoln pulling his hand away, we, we tend to pull our hand away and think that we can do life a lot better on our own. And so at some point and in some decisions, we start thinking that, well, I know how to do this better than the Lord does. And we might not say it that way, but we stop asking the right questions. We stop asking, well, is this, is this going to glorify God? Is, is this according to his will? Is this according to his word? And 
we start asking questions like, is this going to make me happy? Is this what I want to do? Is this in my best interest? And, and those decisions start being made in some of the most important decisions in our life. Decisions that have to do with our marriage, decisions that have to do with our kids and our home and our family and our job. And all of a sudden, we pull our hand away from God because we think that we can do it better. And we think that we can lead our own path. And we forget what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 10 and verse 23. I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own and that no one who walks determines his own steps. In contrast to this, the life of faith, the life of the believer, is a hand reaching out. Faith is reaching out our hand to grasp God's once again. To say, lead me, Lord, lest I stray, as we just sang. Or, bind my wandering heart to thee. And Jesus taught that we must confess this desire for direction, this, this recognition of our need for leading by God, that we need to confess this and recognize this in our prayer life. And so he tells us in Matthew 6 and verse 13 to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, that seems like an odd way to talk to God. Because I know that God doesn't seduce me to evil. James 1 verses 13 and 14, he tells me that God doesn't tempt us to evil. He doesn't, whenever I'm being tempted to do what's wrong, whenever I'm being tempted to go off and go astray, I can't look at God and say, God, why are you the one doing this? God wants me to do this and justify my behavior based on the fact that God's the one seducing me in that way. James says that's not true. But if that's the fact, then why am I called to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil? It seems almost a conflict and contrary to what James says in James 1 and verse 13 and 14. Why do I need to speak to God in this way? Why do I need to talk to God in this way? And what exactly am I asking him for? That's what we want to look at this evening, or this morning rather, as we close out our series on the Lord's Prayer, and we talk about how do I talk with God? That's been our question as we've gone through this, this series together on the Lord's Prayer. How to talk to God? As I engage with Him, how do I speak to Him? And this morning, as we finish it out, we want to see that when I talk to God, I talk to Him with a desire for His direction, with a desire for his direction. But as we do that, I want us to read through the entirety of the prayer one more time, and then we will get into a discussion of this particular aspect of it. Let's start in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this manner, or pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Talking to God 
with a desire for his direction. What exactly does that mean when I talk to God in this way? Well, number one, it means that, that I see reality, I see life with a little bit more clarity. I see life with a little bit more clarity, reality with greater clarity. Life is filled, as you know, with a lot of illusions, with a lot of confusion as well. We believe in certain things that aren't really real. That goes all the way back to Eden when Satan gave the lie to Adam and Eve when he said, listen, if you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like God. That's a lie. That was an illusion. And they believed it and they gave in. And since then, we believe all kinds of illusions that are out there in the world. We, we see life not as it is or not as it should be, but as we want it to be. Or we see life from the lenses of our own experience. For example, we begin to think maybe that life is easy. If we've had nothing but comfort and ease in our life, if, if we've never dealt with serious illness or maybe dealt with serious loss and things have always come easy to us, we begin to think, well, life is kind of easy. It's been pretty easy for me, so it must be easy out there. And so we, we don't see life as it really is. We don't see the struggles and the difficulties that sometimes come with life. On the flip side of that, if we've had a more difficult life, we begin to see life as, as hopeless and bitter and cynical because all we've dealt with is difficulty and we don't see any good and we don't see any beauty in life. And that's not really how life is either. But we begin to fall into these different types of illusions and we're deceived and not seeing reality as it actually is. But when I talk to God in prayer and when I talk to Him with a desire for His direction, my eyes are open to the reality of how life is and how it should be. It first reminds me that life is filled with temptations and trials. There are temptations and trials in this life. When I, when I pray to God, Lord, I don't want you to lead me into temptation. I want you to deliver me from evil. I'm confessing and recognizing that there are two things in this world. There are temptations and there are evil. There is evil in the world. Now, this word could be translated either way. It could be translated temptation or it could be translated trial. It's kind of an either-or. In fact, the definition kind of grows hazy at times. It's, it's easy to cross over, and they're actually inter, interrelated in different ways. But if we're asked to hear pray, lead us not into temptation, that would make perfect sense with the rest of Scripture as well. Jesus himself said in Matthew 17 and verse 1 that it was inevitable that temptations are going to come. We live in a fallen world. And temptations are going to come. But in that instance, Jesus said, but woe to the one through whom they come. Woe to the one who is an avenue, a vessel of temptation for others. So temptations are going to come. Those temptations to sin and to rebel against God. In fact, Jesus was led by the Spirit to a place of temptation. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, we already discussed that in our series of Matthews. Jesus was led to that place. Now, the Father wasn't the one tempting him. The Spirit wasn't the one tempting him. Satan was the one tempting him. But he was led to that place of temptation. And yet, as we already looked at, we know that God doesn't seduce us to evil and, and encourage us towards evil. So what could this possibly mean? What I think we're seeing here is what we witness in the rest of Scripture is that at times there will be tests in our life that are given to us. And what God means as a test, Satan and the self will often use as a temptation. What God means as a test, Satan and self will often use as a temptation. 
For example, in Exodus chapter 16, whenever God's going to send manna to the people, he tells Moses there in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. But then notice what he says here. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. He says, I'm going to send manna down, but here's the instructions. Only gather enough for that day. And this is the test here. But what happens is, is that test from God turns into a temptation because of the sinful self and because of the tempter. And some of the people gather more than just that day, and they fail the test that God had given them. And so what we realize here is that what Jesus, if he's calling for us to pray, lead us not into temptation. It's a recognition that sometimes, because of my weakness, I'm not going to pass the test. I'm going to give in to it, and it's going to become a temptation to do wrong for me. A teacher might give a test to her students, but what is a test for some becomes a temptation to cheat for others. And so when I pray in this way, and I pray, Lord, I want you to lead me not into temptation, and I'm seeing reality with greater clarity, I'm first seeing the reality about myself, right? I see myself for who I really am in my vulnerability and in my weakness. By the way, do you remember that Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray? This isn't people out in the world. These are his disciples. And he's saying, as my disciple, I want you to recognize that you can still fall into temptation. That you are still in the process of sanctification. That you are still struggling. That there is a battle still raging within that you have to be aware of. A Christian is not someone who is just waking up every day. It's like, bring it on. Bring every temptation I can get. I'm going to overcome it. I got this. Nothing. Jesus says, you need to pray that you don't even enter into a place of temptation. The Christian confesses, Lord, I am weak. And I may give in. And so today, I need you to redirect my steps. I need you to help me to avoid temptation. As was read early in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, the person who thinks that he stands needs to take heed lest he falls. And I find that interesting. Because what it tells me is that the great danger for the Christian isn't weakness. Let me say that again. The great danger for the Christian isn't weakness. But rather, it is a false parade of personal strength. A false parade that says, I have this all together, I can't possibly fail, and I don't need the Lord anymore. Now, we would never say that, but sometimes we act that way. But when we talk to God with a desire for direction, we say, listen, Lord, I'm recognizing, I see myself or who I am, I'm recognizing the reality of who I am and where I am. So it could be translated temptations. It could also be translated trials or difficulties. In fact, the New Revised Standard Version translates it, and do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. I think that's a good translation of that verse. And that, but, that, but even then, that's interesting as well, that Jesus would ask for us to pray, Lord, don't be bring, bring me into an hour of trial, because there are other scriptures that seem to say that God can use trials to benefit us, right? In 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, it talks about the trials being a refining furnace for our faith. And so there's times where it seems as even God can use trials to benefit our faith. 
But again, I, I, I think that what we're seeing here is this prayer is helping to remind us and recognize reality for what it really is. We see our weaknesses and we recognize as weak humans how often we give up when difficulty comes. We don't want to be brought to a moment where we would forsake God. And so we talk to God and say, God, I know how weak I am and, and I don't want to be brought to a point in life. I, I don't want to be brought into a trial or a difficulty that's going to make me forsake you or that's going to, that's going to make me question my faith or, or bring me to a point in life where, where I might leave you. I don't, I don't want to be brought there, Lord. And you know what? It's okay to pray that. It's okay as a Christian to be hesitant to want to engage in a place of trial and difficulty. And I say that because sometimes I think, sometimes we might imply that we're not really Christians unless we're suffering. There is an extent as Christians as which we're suffering every day as we're crucifying the flesh. That is a measure of suffering. Truly it is. But Jesus says here that it's okay to pray, Lord, I don't, I don't want to be led into that moment of trial. Jesus himself prayed for that, didn't he? Let this cup, what? Pass. I don't want to go through that. It reminds me of Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. That's the scripture it reminded me of. When the Proverbs writer says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you. And say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. The Proverbs writer says, I don't want to be overly rich. I don't want to be poor either. Because if I'm overly rich, I might think, well, who is the Lord? I don't really need him. But if I'm also poor, I might profane your name and steal. And so he recognized, I don't want to be brought to that moment. Again, it's okay, Jesus is saying, to be hesitant about overly difficult trials. And it's not because we question God, but because we question ourselves and our ability to endure those moments in genuine faith. So it can be translated either way either temptations or trials, and a lot of those overlap, right? Because sometimes when we're going through trials and difficulties, that's when we are most tempted to sin. That when we're going through difficult times, sometimes that's when the flesh is its most weak, and we're tempted to give in to those sins and those, those temptations. But either way, the greater message is this, that when I'm praying and asking God for his direction, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, I am seeing life as it is, that it is actually filled with temptations and trials. And what that means is, as Christians, that's a reality that we must face. Life is not just about my pleasure and comfort. When I wake up in the morning and I pray this to God, I'm recognizing, Lord, today is a spiritual battle. And there are temptations I'm going to face, and I'm going to be tempted to forsake you, and I'm going to be tempted to give in, and Lord, I need you to direct my path. I need you to lead me around. And it sees life as it actually is. Life has a purpose and a meaning, and there are moral values to the decisions that we make. And as a Christian, you cannot forget that. You can't forget it Sunday. You can't forget it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every single day that you wake up, you confess and refresh your mind that you are in a battle for your soul and for the souls of the people around you. And we pray to God. We say, God, I need you to direct me. We see life soberly. And we see it with clarity. And our prayer helps us. When we pray in this way, it helps us to be on guard. And as Jesus told the apostles in Matthew 26 and verse 41, to watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. 
At the same time, it sees life as it is with its temptations and trials. But praying in this way also guards me from cynicism and from becoming bitter and from becoming just uh, resentful of life. Because even though it recognizes, listen, there are temptations and there's evil in the world, but it also recognized, recognizes that God is leading the way and that there is deliverance. Deliver me from evil. And so number two, when I talk to God and, I, and, I, and I'm asking for his direction, I'm, I'm looking for him with a desire for direction, it also means that I'm letting God take the lead. I'm letting God take the lead in life. Talking to God in this way says to the Lord, Lord, I want you to take the lead. I want you to direct me. Again, we said at the beginning, faith is reaching out and taking God by the hand once again. It is trusting in Him. It is responding to a hand that is already outstretched. To trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to lean not unto our own understanding. To acknowledge Him in all of our ways so that He will direct our path. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And what this type of prayer reminds me, when I say, God, I want you to take the lead, I want you to take the lead in my life, it reminds me that faith and the life of faith is a deeply personal, intimate connection with Jesus Christ and with the Godhead. Because faith is about trusting God in the moments of my life to direct me, to guide me, to watch over me. Because if I'm saying, God, I want you to lead me, does not that not imply that God is watching over me? That he's watching my steps? That he's concerned about my life? That he cares? And that he cares about the direction of my life? Do you know God cares about the direction of your life? We're celebrating our graduates this morning. We have many of them here this morning. Do you know, graduates, that God cares about the direction of your life? That he cares about how you live your life before him and that he is watching over your steps. And when we pray to God, we say, Lord, I want you to take the lead. I want you to direct my steps. And it reminds us that this thing of faith is an intimate walk with him. It is about seeing God as our shepherd, the good shepherd who leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 23 and verse 3. Now you might say, well, I don't think I need to be led by the Lord or, you know, I, I think I'm doing pretty good on my own. The reality is, is that you're being led by someone. Now you might not admit it, but you are being led by someone. You're being led by the politicians you voted for or didn't vote for. You're being led by the celebrities that you listen to, by the videos that you watch, by the books that you read, by the friends that you hang out with, by the co-workers that you work with. You are being led by someone. And sadly, most of us are being led by our own pride and by our own wisdom and by our own arrogance. And eventually that leads us down a road that none of us want to go down. So we're all being led by someone. The life of faith says, I don't want to be led by any of those things. God, I want you to take the lead in my life. And our prayers are to confess that. As we sometimes sing, I am weak, but thou art strong. But as we spoke of last week, prayer is not a stagnant thing. Prayer is not just about an inactive, passive activity. It is an active thing. And so if we're going to pray, Lord, take the lead, then number three, we need to be looking for God's leading. We need to be looking for God's leading. This aspect of, of the prayer, Lord, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil, that cannot be disconnected from your will be done. 
on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if I'm praying, God, I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, that means that I want God's will to be done on my earth, on the earth that I influence, on the part of the world that I influence. God, I want your will to be done in my life. And if I'm praying, lead me not into temptation, that means I want God's will to be done to lead me out of temptation. And, I'm gonna, and if, I'm, if I'm going to pray, God, redirect my steps, then I better be ready for God to do that, for God to redirect my steps. And that might be in ways that I often don't like. Because if I'm praying, Lord, lead me not into temptation, what that might mean is that he is cutting off opportunities in my life that he knows will actually lead me into temptation. Now, I think we need to keep that in mind. Because sometimes we have a job opportunity, we have some great opportunity, and all we're praying for is, God, please let me get this job. Please let me get this opportunity. Please let this happen. That's fine to pray that. If it is accompanied by, thy will be done. Because God sees ahead of us. God sees more than us. And sometimes the greatest thing that God can do for your soul is to not allow you an opportunity. Because he knows in his wisdom and in his sight that this is going to lead you into a place that is spiritually detrimental. And so as we've talked about before, sometimes we need to pray for God's defeat. That he will defeat something if it is going to lead us to a place where we don't need to be. In God directing our steps, he may put up barriers in our life. He may help cool a friendship that isn't good and a good influence on us. He may allow us to go through certain difficulties to open our eyes to the weaknesses that we have. All of these are ways in which God can help to redirect our steps away from temptations and out of places where we might forsake him. And we have to be mindful of that. But it also means this. If I am going to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, this also means that I'm not going to place myself in a situation in which I am unduly tempted. The, the, Paul says in Romans 13 and verse four, 14, to make no provision for the flesh. How can I say, God, lead me not into temptation, and, and then I know that I struggle with the sin, and I'm constantly putting myself in a place of temptation? You know, it's like trying to lose weight and going to Krispy Kreme and looking at the donuts and smelling the donuts and maybe even licking the donuts but not biting the donuts and praying, Lord, lead me not into temptation, right? We grab a box of them and we bring them home and we turn them around and we say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. You know? If I'm going to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation... Now listen, I really am trying to lose weight. Don't go buy me Krispy Kremes after this illustration. If we're going to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, then we have to be willing to allow God's will to be actually enacted in a real and relevant way in our life. If I'm expecting God to redirect my steps, then I surely need to be doing my best to redirect them to a place of righteousness and holiness, to a place where I am mindful of my own weaknesses. And so it reminds me of that illustration in which the man came up to the preacher one Sunday and said, Preacher, prayer really works. I found out this last week. Prayer really works. And the preacher said to him, Well, how do you know that it really works? He said, I'll tell you how I know. I was at the store the other day, and I really wanted to get a parking spot right at the front. And so I prayed to God. I said, God, please let me get a parking spot right at the front. 
And he said, and you got one? He said, yeah, after the 10th time around, I got one, right? And that's how prayer sometimes is. We think it's that way, right? And we don't really enact what we're praying for. If we're going to pray in this way, we must be willing to redirect our own steps as God redirects them as well. And so we look for God's leading as we allow him to take the lead. And so as we conclude this series on the Lord's Prayer, I say to you as the dutiful wife sometimes says to her husband, it is okay to ask for direction. The Lord, the Lord wants us to talk to him with a desire for his direction. It's interesting that Jesus told his disciples, the Lord already knows what you're going to ask before you even ask it. And yet he says he wants us to confess our need for him. Because if we're honest with ourselves, until we're to that point, to where we're humble enough to confess that, we're not willing to accept his leading. Life is a journey. It's a difficult one. It's a beautiful one. And we need our eyes open to the reality that is before us. Because the way is narrow and difficult. And we are weak and easily misled. And so we desire for God to direct us. And we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I want to finish with a little-known hymn by John Newton, who, as you know, wrote Amazing Grace. But this one's not as well-known. It's titled, I Ask the Lord That I Might Grow. I want you to listen to these lyrics, and then we will be standing for an invitation. It says, I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace. Might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. T'was he who taught me thus to pray, and he, I trust, has answered prayer. But it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. I hoped that in some favored hour, at once he'd answer my request, and by his love's constraining power, subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart. And let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more with his own hand, he seemed intent to aggravate my woe. Crossed all the fair designs I schemed, and humbled my heart, and laid me low. Lord, why is this? I trembling cried. Wilt thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied. I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mightst find thy all in me. And so as we ask for God to direct our life and redirect our steps away from temptations and self-indulgences and difficulties that would employ us to forsake him, we realize that through every moment as he makes us more aware of our own weaknesses and failings, he is driving us more fully into his presence and to his grace. This morning, why don't you seek the Lord with all of your heart and allow him to be the director of your life, following his steps, whatever your need is. Why don't you come as together we stand and as we sing.
thank everyone for being here this morning. Our visitors especially welcome. If you can, please stay for the meals afterwards here. Before we have our closing prayer, we'll sing number 171, God bless you, go with God. Amen.